Peace and blessings, everyone. I'm Aziza, and welcome to episode number one of the new series, Unraveling the Truth with Dr. Omar Zaid. In this series, Dr. Omar and I will dive into various topics in a way that very few will even dare to. Dr. Omar Zaid is a physician, author, editor, and occult specialist. He has written numerous books and papers on topics such as occult history, the Trinity, metaphysics, and the LGBTQ dilemma. His blog, www.zaidpub.com, is a treasure trove of information for anyone who is intellectually and spiritually astute. Dr. Omar, assalamu alaikum. Malaikum assalam, sister. Uh, thank you uh, for this uh, opportunity uh, to share what it is that Allah has uh, placed in me. And may it uh, please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us uh, clarity of uh, thought and content as we uh, proceed here for the sake of your listeners. I mean, thank you so much for your time. It's, it's greatly appreciated. So we kind of talked about uh, several topics that I wanted to touch on, and I warned mm. you that I just wanted to dive in immediately mm. because I, I really want to get this on air. Uh, mm -hmm. The LGBTQ question, can you repeat your response <laughs> that you gave me uh, when I told you the LGBTQ I, I will try. I will try. I, I shoot from the hip, but it's not entirely from the hip because uh, what I have to say is based on uh, uh, sound uh, research and voluminous reading uh, and a book which has now been uh, three years in the making, which I'm soon to publish, inshallah, uh, on the topic, but I include not just the LGBT question, which is not really a question, it's, a, um, it's, it's more of a gap you see, in knowledge. Um, there is no real question here. Uh, it's uh, the questions that people put out about it are, uh, are fabricated, you know. When you, when you speak about um, uh, normality, or e equality, uh, all of these things are mystified. Uh, when I, they're not defined clearly in the discussion or in the discourse about this topic. But I have not written a book just about LGBT uh, people and the very serious uh, problems that they have, um, but also about marriage, marriage itself, the ideal marriage, the marriage that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had in mind when he put Adam together with Eve, when he drew Eve out of Adam, and Adam stood there, as Musa apparently wrote, um, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, uh, but he did not say spirit of my spirit. You see, this is a big difference, you see, because uh, Eve had her own spirit. She was not a part of Adam. She was a separate creation. Just as Adam was created from the earth and then Allah's rule was uh, breathed into him to create his soul, whatever that is, because we really don't know. We, we use these terms, but we don't know what they really mean. You see, we have visions and dreams and we we have some idea from those reflections of the other worlds, okay, what these things mean. But as we're in here in the flesh, we don't know what that means. But we do know 
on the basis of uh, correct analysis of the scriptural revelation, that Eve is not part of Adam, you see. <laughs> She's separate. She's a separate creation. And in this book, I make that very, very clear. And I make it very, very clear that there's a complementarity involved here, you see, just as you have two hands. And I've spoken about this with, uh, uh, for example, Sheikh Belak. Uh, I don't know how far that lecture went, but I'll try to be as clear as possible here. Just as you have two hands that come together, they can touch, but they cannot intermingle. They can have sex, they can join, but they're still independent. Their skin, their boundaries are intact. There is an exudation, you know, there is an absorption on the part of the skin, on the part of uh, these borders, but the boundaries are not crossed. This hand cannot go into this hand. And this hand cannot go into this hand. And this is something that has been missed in the, uh, the discourse, the metaphysical discourse on the various uh, uh, topics of um, sexuality um, in various religions. And the greatest mistake that Muslims have made and spiritualists have made, mystics have made, is uh, supposing that uh, the male can absorb the essence of the female or vice versa. This cannot be done. No, it's, it's a great error. It's, it's a lie uh, from the pit of hell. Uh, the Tibetan monks, they, they do this and the, the jinn have played along with it and allowed them to imagine that they become better men, you see, as a result of either uh, mentally or actually murdering a woman so that her essence can be absorbed into his heart or into his spirit. And this gender confusion is at the, the, the seat of uh, androgyny, okay? And if you study the ancient myths, almost all of them have some sort of a goddess and they, they may present her in some forms as a Venus, you know, the goddess of love and uh, all of this, the goddess of war and so forth. But the mother of all of these goddesses is Sybil and she's an androgyne. <laughs> she, was, she was born a male from a drop of semen, you see, from one of the gods. And um, uh, then she, the other gods uh, became afraid of her because uh, she was the, or he in the beginning was the, 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 this drop of semen from the great god and uh, became this male and they all became jealous. So they bound her and they castrated him so that him became her. And then for some reason, she either became pregnant or she gave birth or she married a um, son or a grandson. The, the myths all vary on this, but she married a son or a grandson who fell in love with her at first sight. You see the grandson. In this case, um, it's Attis. So Attis, then he, 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 fells, he was already 
in, in this myth, uh, which is, is typical of these ancient myths, in this myth, Attis falls so madly in love with his grandmother, okay, on sight. This is love at first sight, now mind you. And uh, the Greeks make a big thing of this uh, in their foolishness. Uh, they're trying to teach something here, but, uh, you know, it, it evades the reality. Right. All right. I mean, uh, imagine, imagine you are my grandmother and I fall in love with you, okay? And I want to marry you, but I'm already engaged to the king's daughter, okay? <laughs> and I'm so in love with you that I cannot marry the king's daughter, and there's such an impasse that I castrate myself. Okay. All right. I got to cut it off because I can't stand it standing up over my desire for you. Okay. The Alim don't want to talk like this, do they? You see, <laughs> but th this is the straight talk that is necessary in order to understand the LGBT problem. Hmm. Okay. I'm getting there. So bear with me. I'm, I'm bearing. <laughs> Wonderful. So Addis then becomes a savior. He becomes a messiah because he's so selfless, you see, and his love is so selfless and he's so compromised by this thing that he becomes admired by all those who realize that he sacrificed his manhood. He sacrificed himself for the sake of love. Okay. Anyway, they, they, he, Addis is one of the first um, Christ-like imaginations in the ancient mythology, okay? Attis is then worshipped. He, the gods uh, not only, uh, uh, they nail him to a tree, okay? At Easter time, at Easter time, get the, you know the Christian story, right. okay? They nail Attis to a tree and all of the believers, the sincere believers, uh, follow in a parade, a big parade. They put him in his grave and he stays there for a couple of nights and then he's resurrected. Where have I heard this before? <laughs> and Lord Almighty, it's springtime and all the flowers come out and then they have a great parade and all the Easter bonnets come out, you see. And uh, Addis is then the savior. And his wife, his spiritual wife, is the mother of God, the mother of this God, the grandmother of this God. It depends on which myth you want to uh, read about. There are several, several, there are probably dozens of variations. Uh, they become the divine couple, you see. And they're both androgynous. <laughs> both. Okay. Now, Let's skip over a thousand years or so and uh, come to the Jews in Babylon uh, who, um, this is before uh, the time of Prophet Isa, uh, the Jews in Babylon uh, had a meeting, and this is almost immediately after uh, Harut and Marut uh, taught their, uh, uh, their mysteries, okay? Uh, the Jews then began to develop a, a theory of um, what became the Kabbalah. And this theory or this uh, specious theology 
imagine that Adam was both male and female, you see, and that he's the perfect man. Well, this is what the Tibetan monks also believe, you see. Dalai Lama does not talk about this in public. Yeah, I've okay. never heard this before. No, no, you never heard this before because they don't want you to hear this. And the Jews, the rabbis of the Kabbalah, don't want the public to hear this either. They don't want both of, most of their own congregations to know these things. It's part and parcel of their secret society. And uh, only the upper Freemasons and those in the initiates above those levels, above the 28th degree or so, and especially above the 32nd, the 33rd and above, uh, they're the only ones who know this. The only ones. As a matter of fact, if you want to go beyond the 33rd degree, you have to submit yourself to sodomy. Okay, so... Okay? <laughs> you know, it, it, this helps you to become an androgyne. No, let me say one more thing here while we're on the subject, okay? When they go to the wall to pray... The wailing wall? And you see, and you see them bobbing back and forth like this, okay? You know yes. this bottom part? Yes. Well, what comes out of the bottom part? Okay. All right. They're at literally, I'm not joking. I'm not joking, sister. Oh, that, they, I are, not. they are literally pretending to have sex with Shekinah, which they consider to be Sophia, you see, the feminine aspect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, this is one of the daughters. Okay, of Allah. So wait a minute. So so that's why they they rock back and forth. At the yes, way. yes. They have to rejoin rejoin the male and the female. Okay, they have to rejoin the male and the female aspect. It's a metaphysical uh, delusion. Now, don't they rock back and forth during their regular prayers? Yes, that's what it is. All of it. Okay. I wasn't ready for that. No. All right, all right. You you just take you take a moment here. I know you weren't ready for it, but uh, you you wanted to get down and dirty. You wanted to hit the serious aspects of this issue, and I went right to the marrow, didn't I? Oh dear, Doctor Omar. You went to you, you went to the sciatica. Yeah, I went right there, and that's where it is. You see? Okay. Now hold on a minute. I have to turn the heater on. I'm okay. uh, off. I'm getting too hot in this room. Okay. Think about this a minute. Okay. I just want to back up a little bit. Sure. First thing is you said that if you want to go beyond the 33rd degree of Freemasonry. Yeah. I have heard before that there are other uh, ranks above the 33rd degree, but that is yes, kept. Yes, there are. Hush, yeah. hush, because when you hear people, oh, so-and-so's 32nd degree, 33rd, that's seen as the pinnacle. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain that briefly without going into that whole, Well, I know that's a whole other conversation. Not, I'm not saying that all 33rd degree Masons have had this experience. They do not. Um, but if you want to proceed to the upper levels that stand above the Freemasonry, Okay, because Freemasonry, you have to think of Freemasonry as a bureaucracy. Okay, it's an organized bureaucracy 
and it's organized on a need-to-know basis. So the further you go up the pyramid, the less people know what's taking right. place. Right. So if you go to the very top of the pyramid, you know that uh, on the dollar bill, there's a triangle missing at the top. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get into that triangular group, you're going to have to submit to androgyny. You're going to have to embrace it. And if you want to get to the very tip of that pyramid, that triangle at the top, you will have to participate in human sacrifice. Okay, specifically that of the babies. Now, this goes beyond Freemasonry. This is the group of initiates that the prophet spoke of when he wrote to King uh, Khosru, the king of Persia. You remember that letter? Yes, I do. Very, very, very few people talk about this. The Alim never mention it. Why do they never mention it? Because they don't know anything about the Magi. Not really. Why? Okay. What, they know. Why, oh yeah, go on, go on. Why do you think that is? I know this is a rhetorical question, but why, why do you think? Uh, no, it's not rhetorical. It's a matter of history that has gone unaddressed. It's a matter uh, of Muslim. Well, because it's a secret, isn't it? You see, Iblis proceeds in secret. All of this is possible because of secrecy. If it was done openly, it would never happen. And Iblis dresses himself as the pious religionist, does he not? Of course he does. Yeah. Yeah. He's always done this, okay? The scripture is very clear about this, about the misguidance. Yeah. And yes. for that conversation, we have to discuss Kabil, but let's stay on the LGBT problem, yes, okay, please. at the moment. So it, it exists, the secrecy exists because, well, you get to a certain point where the convention dictates that if you want to put rice in your bowl and have a nice retirement fund, you don't go near these things. You don't talk about them. Academia is filled with cowards like this. I've mm -hmm. met them, okay? I've met them. And I've discussed these things with them, and they don't want to know. Matter of fact, uh, I've discussed some of the most. I've discussed this with some of the most pious uh, men in Malaysia. I mean, truly pious. And out of the two most pious men that I've met in my life, well, three, amongst the Malaysians, only one knew what was taking place, or had an inkling of what was taking place, and wanted to learn more. The others were frightened by it. And these are men who claim to be led by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. So <clears throat> it's not something that the alim want to manage. Because to manage it means that they would have to stand up <clears throat> like uh, Abu Bakr and draw the sword. Because hmm. there's no other way to manage this, you see. Uh, why do you say that? Oh, are you preaching? Is, is are you preaching extremism here? Oh no, not at all. I'm preaching reality. Mm, okay. Yeah. What yeah. is the first thing that the prophet did after he destroyed all the idols? The very first thing he did after he destroyed all the idols in the uh, Kaaba, after the surrender, essentially the surrender of Mac of Mecca, is that. Uh, 
Kabil came back. You, you, I mean, not Kabil, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the sword of Allah. What was his name? Uh, I'm blocking on his name now. Khalid. Mm -hmm. uh, he came back and he said, well, I've destroyed the temples. And, and the prophet said, you're not done yet. Go back and kill that witch. Yeah? yeah, remember that? Yes. <laughs> you gotta kill the witch. You can't leave them live. You can't leave them live. But see, Dr. Omar, if you say these things now, uh, you're extreme uh, yes. and you're intolerant. Well, okay, <laughs> I'd rather be intolerant now, you see, and say these things than to face the death angel and uh, say, well, I was afraid to say them. Mm, yeah, see? but no one is, yeah. is thinking like that. Yeah, well, then they're inconsequent, aren't they? Their yeah, Islam so. is inconsequent. And that brings us back to the deen, doesn't it? it yes. <laughs> and marriage is half the deen, is mm -hmm. it not? It is. And androgyny destroys marriage. So you can be androgynous spiritually or physically mm. or both. Wow. You see? And so... The men, the Muslim alim, by pretending to be so chauvinist and so, you know, manly, they're actually becoming androgynous because they're not standing up to the real truth. Hmm. That's what cowards do. You see, they, they, they turn the back and they flee. Allah hates cowards, don't, doesn't he? The, the uh, scripture is very clear about that both in the Old Testament and in uh, the um, Quran. So I'm not saying anything that is unusual. It's only unusual. It appears to be unusual because nobody's discussing it for the reasons that I've just said, you see. So um, now I, I've written a, 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 a short uh, essay in one of my chapters uh, about this topic that addresses, I call it, uh, for Muslims only in the last chapter of the uh, volume two on sexology. And um, I clarify all of these things in the book, okay, but not necessarily from a purely Islamic perspective. I clarify them from a scientific perspective, from a historical perspective, from a philosophical perspective, and then I add in the scriptural perspective, but I first go to the um, <coughs> Al-Torah and New Testament, and then I confirm it with Islam, with Al-Quran, because that's the sequence, you see, and Muslim alim have missed this. Now, when I came to Islam, I was already quite familiar with the Judeo-Christian uh, Judeo scriptures. I had made special studies of them, and um, I had discovered things that I didn't know existed before and I was just as shocked about these things as you were when I just shared what I knew with you um, and um, because I was so shocked about these um, it sort of divorced me from Christianity uh, but there was no place to go there was no other religion I had already tried them all you see uh, most of them I was a member of uh, an occult society and was being trained for high initiation for 14 years. So 
I'm, I'm familiar with these uh, aspects and I'm familiar with the Christianity. I, I became a, a, what you might call a born again Christian. I went through that phase on my journey uh, years and years ago. I, I, was, uh, I, I, I toyed with uh, Zen Buddhism and I toyed with theosophy. Then I became an anthroposophist. I was schooled by two high initiates, okay? who were schooled by the a primary initiate of Rudolf Steiner, who was the top uh, Christian mystic of esoteric Christianity in the 20th century. So I was two generations from him. or one, one I was like a grandson of his, okay? So um, this is, um, uh, this journey for me, when I came to Islam was not an empty one. See, everything that I had experienced in the 55 years of my life up to that point had prepared me for that revelation. It had prepared me for Hidayah. And in a way that most born Muslims have no idea. When I read the Quran and I saw that um, there was a passage in there that, and I have to say it in English because I don't know the Arabic, but I remember a lot of what's in there, not, not all of it, but there's a passage in, in, in there that says, this is a clear revelation that confirms what came before, before. Mm -hmm. you see? And when I discussed these things and what I learned about uh, Al-Turat in the New Testament and the attendant literature and uh, traditions and cultures, Muslims had no idea. The alim had no idea what came before. Then I said to myself, my God, they're, they're clapping with one hand. You see, they're, they're standing on a pyramid, then they don't know what's underneath them. They don't know the foundation, no, and as I read uh, some of the early uh, Muslim writers, that some of those that have been translated, I'm sure there are many that have not been translated. Um, as I read through their dissertations and disquisitions, uh, I came to realize that they didn't know either because they hadn't studied the primary sources. Now, maybe there were a few that knew Maybe some like uh, Al-Arabi and Rumi and uh, a few others, Ghazali, uh, they had some idea, or maybe they were given a special uh, dispensation and uh, angelic discourse, I don't know. But it's not reflected in the Muslim literature. The knowledge of what came before is not reflected in the Muslim literature. As a matter of fact, after the fall of Baghdad and after uh, the death of al-Ghazali, whom has been falsely accused and blamed for much of what's happened to Islam, because um, people do not understand his perspective, and he was not thoroughly mm, forthright with some of his teachings, any either, <laughs> you see. He had his own secrets. Anyway, what happened is that the Muslims uh, just stopped looking into these sources, you see. They stopped going to India to learn what the Bhagavad Gita was about, to learn what the Hindu scriptures had to say, 
they stopped. They, they stopped learning about Al-Turat. They stopped exploring these uh, issues altogether. And then they, for some reason, they never really uh, examined why it is that the three sisters, those three goddesses that stood outside of Makkah, existed. Mm. And this is all manifest, you see. This becomes manifest when you uh, bring up the topic of the letter that Muhammad wrote to the king of Persia. Now, what did he say in that letter? He said, accept Islam. If you do not accept Islam, you personally, <laughs> as the king, okay, as the prince of Persia of the day, you personally will become responsible for the sins of the Magi, okay? This is a, this is a very, very bold statement. It's a judgmental statement. Uh, it is a uh, statement which implies intolerance, but not Muhammad's intolerance, Allah's intolerance, you see. So if you want to sit there and say, oh, Dr. Omar, you're, going to, you're being intolerant. No, I'm reflecting Allah's intolerance. Mm. And it's better that that is reflected now before you meet the death angel. Okay. And uh, set aside all of the eschatology, <laughs> okay? Just think about the grave, okay? And think about the Khosru, the king of Persia. Think about his responsibility because your responsibility is no different, you see? You're responsible for what you know. And Khosru knew that the Jews and the Magi, the Medes, and the ancient Persians who had twisted the faith of Zarathustra, who was a genuine prophet, they twisted his faith and they made it into the system of magic. And that system of magic has become Ishmaeli. It, it has become part and parcel of what Adam Wieshaupt adopted into the Illuminati. And the whole system is based on the worship of a mother goddess who is androgynous. And she stands in New York Harbor as the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> it's all ancient idolatry, sister. Yes. yes. So this preoccupation with the so-called question, the LGBT question, has a very, very deep source. And the source is spiritual. And that spiritual source is now manifesting in the flesh. And it's being purposely manifested in the flesh because there are now chemicals in the toxic environment which are causing the problem, let alone the, pop, the propaganda and the education that you are wisely staying, keeping your children away from, okay? Because this promotes it, you see. And the, the toxins in the environment, they affect the development of the brain in utero and even afterwards. During the first three months of gestation, the brain is sexualized. The brain becomes either male or female oriented according to the levels of androgynous and uh, uh, of androgens. There are certain epigenetic effects, but they are not primary. The primary reason is the, is the level of a wash that is used to wash the brain 
during its development in the uh, spinal fluid that surrounds the brain, you see. So by, the, by 12 weeks, the brain's already feminized or masculinized, and it can be opposite of what the genetic component is, you see. So you can have a male brain that does not have enough androgen and the brain becomes female. And there are levels of this feminization so that you have a mama's boy, you have a bisexual, then you have a hardcore homosexual, you see. He's manly, but he only wants to have sex with men. This is not normal. So, or he only wants, yeah, yeah you understand. And the opposite is the same for the women. Now, they know the initiates at the upper level, those, for example, who own Monsanto, they know these things. They know this. That's why everywhere in the world you go, their products are everywhere, polluting the environment. They're everywhere. And that is why the numbers of uh, people uh, being born, okay, into this manifestation of the different types of uh, uh, gender confusion, there are different, many different types, not just the one or two. Um, that is why it's happening. And then they take this a step further with their birth, birth control pills cause it, you see. A woman can be on the birth control pill and she can still get pregnant. And if she's pregnant while she's on that pill and the influence of that hormone are there and they decrease the levels of androgen and she's got a male child, she's going to, she's going to birth a gay man. That's what she's going to give birth to. You see, and she doesn't. And so when the, when the kid says, when the nine year old or the 12 year old comes to you and said, hey, you know, I'm, dad, I'm really a girl. <laughs> I've always been a girl. They're not joking because this is what their brain is telling them. God does not create these people. We do, we do. And why do I say we? I say we, it includes you and me because we allow it to happen. We have allowed this element at the top of the pyramid to get away with it. And they have corporatized the entire globe now and everyone is now being, being subjected to that. And I've been telling people about this for years. This mask, <laughs> what is it? Huh? What is it? It means shut up. Yeah. It means don't be independent. It's diabolic. It's what, it's what it is. It's initiation process. Yes, it's, it's a and ritual. It's a, it's a ritual and it's initiating the entire globe into slavery. Yeah, I was just Into a conscious, a, a conscious slavery. Before they were unconscious right. slaves. Now yeah. they're becoming conscious slaves. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I was just talking. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. All of, all of this has to do with the same stream of magi, corrupt magi, that were under the authority, you see, of Khosru, the emperor, the king of Persia. It was there that it started. 
Now, the roots go back to ancient India along the Hindus Valley. Okay, I've done a study on that, and I I have some video, I have some audio and visual lectures on that now, with PowerPoint presentations. What I finally got around to doing them a few months ago, thank God, Alhamdulillah. But um, it began back in Dravidia. Okay, when I gave lectures. Uh, with Imran Hussein in Malaysia. I mentioned this, but it goes under the radar. People don't really, you know, take it in and they don't take it seriously. But this is idolatry. It's one of the reasons it's for forbidden. That lady in New York Harbor is idolatry. That's what it is. And what is idolatry? It, 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 it is a form of a vain imagination that does not serve the divine purpose Okay, so if you become a citizen of that system and you pay taxes to that system and you uh, uh, obey that system, you're practicing idolatry. It doesn't matter how many times you pray. <laughs> See, you're, you're still, and the Alim who are supporting this, you know, I, I think, I like to say, I like to think sometimes on the behalf of some of them. <coughs> <coughs> whom I actually admire for their teachings, uh, not necessarily for their deeds. You see, there's the difference between teachings and deeds. I'm talking about deeds now. I'd like to think that some of them are practicing takia, you see, and that they're just pretending to be citizens. and <laughs> they're, they're pretending to obey in order to preserve Islam. Well, there may be an element of truth there, but what did the prophet say with respect to eschatology? Imran Hussein has told everybody, and I agree with him, not on everything, but on this matter, I agree with him because it's very clear. The prophet said, when you see these things, run to the hills, leave the cities, go to the mountains, take your camels, take your goats, take your sheep, take your women, take your children, for God's sake, Get the hell out of there. And no one is talking about it. You see, it's very clear. Very clear. And Isa said the same thing. Isa was very clear about it. He said, when you see these things, go to the mountains. You know, perhaps Allah will have mercy and spare you. And uh, there are passages in the New Testament that say when these days come, uh, for the sake of the elect, they will be cut short. Uh, but very, very few are going to make it through. And Satan, although he manages uh, the institutions like the Freemasons and the London School of Ec Economics and Tavistock and CFR and all of these other institutions that everybody's heard about, but nobody can seem to put together, Although Iblis manages these, these things in secret, there's this deep state, there's this hidden hand. When he's about to do something, he makes it clear. Why? Because it's a spiritual obligation. He's got a contract with Allah, you see? And uh, Allah also has a contract with mankind. So whatever Iblis does, he does with Allah's permission. And Allah in the Old Testament and in the New Testament says, I never do anything without informing my saints. 
So is that why you always see <laughs> things that are leaked or, you know, these exercises, yes. these drills yes. where everything yes. is just out in the open? It's out in the open and it's out in the open so that on the day of judgment, uh, on the day that these people meet the death angel, they have no excuse. And the death angel is going to show them the, uh, the you know, the newsreel. He's going to show them the article that they read and dismissed. He's going to show them all these things. And he's going to say, why didn't you act on this? You knew. What, what, are, what are the alim going to say then? What are they going to say? How are they going to answer? They can't stand up and say, I did my best. You see? So when someone like you interviews me, I'm very happy because I know that when that day comes and I meet the death angel, I can say I stood up and I did my best. Please have mercy on me. You understand, sister? I do. This, I is, do. Not, this, this is not a joke. No, it's not. It's not. And people, not a joke. people laugh this off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've been so frustrated been very frustrated and disappointed in mm. Muslims because I see more non-Muslims. That's the majority that are, are ringing the alarm on this stuff. They understand this. They have, you know, even the minutia of spiritual awareness. And the ones who should be on top of this is Muslims. We should be the ones ringing the alarm and letting everybody know because we have it all laid out in scripture. Yeah, it's all but, laid out. But it, everybody It's all laid out. And these, these celebrity imams with these mm -hmm. large platforms are silent. They're just charismatics. They're charismatics. They're no different than the, the, the Christian uh, uh, preachers who are just taking in the money, raking in the money by the millions. Exactly, okay? exactly. I just, I just had one of my students who came to me with a problem. And uh, the student said, you know, I've been to shake so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And they give me no answer. And you give me a clear answer. And even though they don't give me an answer, they still ask me for more money. <laughs> <laughs> you see, it's the same spirit. It's a chauvinist spirit. It's an arrogant spirit. It's a spirit of the same kind of iman, uh, of imam, who thinks he can tell married people what to do, and he's never been married. Mm. I mean, how crazy is that? How illogical is that? What does he know about marriage? Nothing. Because, and he's out there as an imam, as an authority. Oh my God, and he's not married? Well, let me think about this logically, dear sister. Let me try to wrap my head around this thing, okay? Now the prophet said, marriage is half the deen. So if he's not married, he's missing 50% of his deen. How can he lead people into the dean? <laughs> huh? Please, somebody explain that to me. He can't. What he can do is he can be a good um, Sunday school teacher, if you will. Pardon the expression. Well, they call it a Juma'a school teacher. <laughs> he, can, he can teach the kindergarten kids how to pray and uh, what the rules and legal aspects are but he cannot lead because he is not led. Mm. Mm. You see, mm -hmm. there is no hidayah without the deen. 
you cannot greet the moment with Allah's guidance unless you are married or unless you have been married and you have completed this union, okay? And you carry that completion with you so that widows and widowers, the ancient ones, the aged uh, amongst us who have had the good marriage and they've done the good things, they've completed the good deeds because you start good deeds with your spouse. That's where it begins. It starts in the home. It doesn't start by giving alms in the street so that everybody can see. Mm. No, it starts in the home. It starts by the husband coming home and no matter how tired he is, seeing the wife in the kitchen with three kids hanging onto her skirts, trying to cook for him, saying, how can I help you, darling? That's where it starts. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Am I getting through to your listeners? You're getting because through to that's, me. <laughs> That's where the dean is, sister. That's where the dean is. It, does, it doesn't start with a man coming home and flopping himself down in some easy chair and being served hand and foot. Okay. Now, I love Japanese films, and the Japanese have uh, developed one of the highest cultures, uh, a culture that actually exceeds Islam's. Okay. Islam never reached their level. Okay. Oh, my God. Dr. Omar, what did you just say? Well, no, you're right. I mean, I, I lived in Japan for almost two years and I can attest okay. to so it. So when, yeah. what, what happens when the samurai comes home? The children, they kowtow. The wife kowtows and they say, welcome home, father. Welcome mm -hmm. home, husband. And then what does the good samurai do? He puts his sword down and his wife takes off his cloak and then he sits down and discusses the day that they had with them. What's he doing? He's doing intelligence work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because they're going to tell him if there are any problems at home that he needs to attend to. And if there is a problem, he will attend to it or he will dispatch one of his servants to take care of it. Okay. No, but what do our limb do? They come home, they sit in their easy chair, their wife brings them the sandals that, you know, you, you, you know the scene, you know, they expect to be waited on hand and foot. They act like little kings, don't they? Yeah, yeah, I know the scene. I imagine, I imagine it, okay? And um, uh, so this is not Islam. It's not marriage. It's not the deen. And then you get a man who has never been married, <laughs> doesn't even know what a woman's wrath is, okay? Mm. <laughs> okay, and, and how, to, how to calm her, okay? Because a good man needs to read his wife like a book, yeah? So that he can anticipate these moments and avoid the wrath, because you <laughs> don't want to be victim of a woman's wrath. Uh, I like lame deer. Uh, who said uh, the uh, uh, Native American Lakota Shaman, he said, look, I don't know why these men act this way, because uh, we're born under their knife and we die under their knife. You know, we get old <laughs> under the knives of the women. What's wrong with you men? What are you thinking? You see? And I always say, well, why don't you just slit his throat while he's sleeping? Have done with the problem. You see? Yeah, because, uh, you know, that sometimes is the only solution, and women resort to that. Unfortunately, they're often placed in jail. You know, I'm not promoting this. I'm just saying this is how stupid our society has become. 
Yeah, it really. When has. we let the, when we let these monsters walk walk around and pretend to be Muslims. Hmm. <laughs> I, I want to ask you a question. Yes. Yes. Um, go on. Sister. I don't know if you're aware of <clears throat> the recent controversy over uh, certain celebrity imams with you know a high level of status, if you will, who were engaging uh -huh. in uh, certain interfaith activities. Uh huh. Have you heard about that? No, you. I. 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 I'm not. But I'm. I'm aware that they do interfaith uh, uh, dialogues and whatnot. And well, this went beyond a dialogue. This individual was participating in pagan rituals, and oh. locking arms with uh, a, a transgender female yeah. imam, yeah. and just mm -hmm. weird things that were going on. And there was uh, another individual with. A significant amount of influence who mm -hmm. called this person out mm -hmm. on you know their misdeeds and it was interesting to observe the the polarization within the muslim community over something that should be very clear the person yeah. who blew the whistle on this was mm -hmm. ostracized and criticized instead of the person that did the misdeeds of course that's what happens in uh, uh, cultures that have been uh, uh, melded, mind melded with the system of Iblis. That's what happens. Because their bottom line uh, thinking is uh, safety. And they're not thinking eschatology. They're not thinking about the grave. The grave to them is just a, and uh, you know, it's like the, the young man who thinks or the kid who thinks they're invulnerable, you see. Uh, but as you mature, you know that day is coming. And of course, the prophet said, die before you die. And um, uh, so I took that very seriously. And I imagined the whole process, uh, especially after reading uh, some uh, very explicit descriptions, you see. But the people who sided with the uh, uh, pervert, because that's what he is, he's perverted and stinking. Um, uh, and uh, I'm safe in saying that because that's what it is. Uh, if you're locking arms in religious leadership with people who are gay and homosexual and have no right to be in that leadership, this is perversion. Okay? Mm. It's yeah. perversion. So uh, the person who has done this, they have lost sight of the grave. It's an abstract concept. It, it just becomes an abstract idea. It doesn't become reality. Right, right. So as long as it's an abstract idea, you can give a kutba on it, you see, and sound very severe and sound very strict and everything. But in your, your actions betray the fact that it's an abstract because idea because you have to be prepared to die any moment. I mean, that, that's why uh, uh, the traditional Arabs and people from the Middle East, they, they wear their death cloth on their head, you see. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a little pretty little hat with a, you know, Israeli cap and a white fringe. You see. That's, that's from Iblis. That's an Ishmaeli thing. That's a Druze thing, okay? That's from the, uh, uh, we're talking about infiltration now, you see. That's, that's a sign of infiltration. That's what it is. It's not a tradition. Well, it's become a tradition, but it's not an Islamic tradition. Okay, I'm not talking about, for example, the uh, the 
the admiral who sailed the uh, all the, the who 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 sailed the, uh, the 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 globe in the 13th century for the Chinese emperor and dressed like a Chinese, you see, you wouldn't tell he was a Muslim, but you wouldn't know that he was a Muslim because of the dress. You would only know that he was a Muslim because of what he did. <laughs> you see? Opposite now. So now everybody's showing everybody that they're Muslim by how they dress, not by what they do. Mm. And uh, well, Isa said many things. And one of the things he said is faith without works is dead. Okay. So you can look like a Muslim all you want. You can pray all you want. You can even fast all you want. But if your deeds do not match what you say, your faith is dead. And there's only one direction for that death. It is not Janah. Okay. If you're lucky, you'll be one of the ones who only get 40,000 years. You see? <laughs> You know about that sentence, okay? Mm. Uh, oh, may all the uh, spare us from that, mm -hmm. okay? Now, you saw about 30 minutes ago, I was almost brought to tears yes. by this concept, mm -hmm. okay? That's because for me, it's a reality. It's a reality I live every moment, and I'm happy to live it every moment because Allah meets me every moment you see because i live it every moment okay i wake up in the morning i say to my wife oh well i'm not dead yet <laughs> you see now islam should be joyous we should be able to make jokes like this you see but where do you see muslims making jokes okay where do you see this happening it's not happening Everybody's going around pretending to be some pious Christian monk. You see, you know, they might, and they, you know, they can even carry the rosary beads, don't they? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. They say 10,000 Alhamdulillahs a day. They say it 10,000 times. I've heard Muslims for the almost nearly 20 years that I was in Malaysia say, Inshallah. Uh, but they never did what they said they were going to do. <laughs> you see? Uh, you know, so I called them the Inshallah people. And I imagine, I imagine I was good. If I had the power, I would have put on a stage plate and call it uh, Inshallah and had, uh, you know, the stage kind of darkened and the lights uh, low and just enough light to show someone in a white gown with a turban on walking around. The floor saying, Inshallah, counting beads, Inshallah, and then have them joined by about 20 other people. And just let that happen for about 20 minutes. Okay? Imagine that. Because that's what I met spiritually in Malaysia. Okay? And I said, well, these are Inshallah people. They're Inshallah people. They don't mean what they say. What they say, what they mean when they say Inshallah is that, uh, oh, well, if God does it, I'll join in. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it's safe. You see? So getting back to this, you, know, you see, I've come full circle, you see, to this concept of safety. The fellow, the, the deviant, uh, the, the pervert, who stood arm in arm with these perverts, um, 
you know, they're well-meaning perverts, but they're still perverts. Okay, that's what adab is. Adab is calling something what it is. That's the job that was given to Adam. Call it what it is. Mm. The angels couldn't do it, but Adam could. And then Allah said to the angels, see, I knew something you didn't know. And so does Adam, you see. So if you're going to be Adam, you got to call the thing what it is. Because that's redemption. That's an act of redemption. Oh, 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 oh. oh when's the last time you heard somebody preach like this, sister? Huh? Can I get an amen? Since I listened to you the first time. Okay. So, so what we're talking about here is this pervert is not being guided by Allah. He's being guided by the hand of Iblis, all right, mm -hmm. which is the book you said you've read. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Allah blessed me with that uh, years ago. That it's was not an easy book to write. Anyway, he's walking with the hand of Iblis. These people on that stage, they want a global religion, as you'll see. So getting back to the people at the top of the pyramid, they will uh, allow this pretense, you see, because it's religion's always a good way to manage the masses. And an idolatrous religion is always the best way to manage the masses with gigantic screens, gigantic statues, gigantic buildings, you see. It shows power. Oh my God, he must be with God because he's got all this power. Well, this is not necessarily, not necessarily the case. The power belongs with Allah and uh, these people are just running along. But getting back to safety, he's arm in arm with these people because he's in league with the hand of Leibniz for the sake of safety. Mm. They all are. They have this uh, modern civilization has created this uh, uh, social security network which allows people to have the uh, false idea of what uh, safety is and that safety be belongs to the, the safety net is provided by the government. No, the safety net traditionally is provided by the family and the family is provided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not the government. <laughs> it's never been provided by the government, okay? If you go back as an educator now, you know, should know these things. If you go back to the 19th century, there was no public education, right. except for the Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. They were the only ones with the public education. And uh, there, there was a, a semblance of publication in the, at the university level. But anyone who entered the university entered by merit of their own individual effort. Okay. And for example, look at uh, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln never went to school. He helped his father, you know, with the daily chores, and he studied, studied by candlelight or oil lamp at nighttime. And he learned how to be a lawyer that way. You teach a kid, which is what you're doing now, you teach a child how to read properly, and they can teach themselves as long as they have the books, you see, and a, someone who can guide them to the correct source. Because that's what a good teacher does. You see, I told you before we started this, I say, if you ask me something I don't know, I say, well, I don't know, but maybe I know where to find the answer, you see. Right. And, uh, or you, 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 your child asks you a question and you say, 
Oh, I don't know. Let's find the answer. You see? And so you go on a journey. This is not done in school. This was done in the home. It was conducted by the auspices of the family, under the auspices of the family. And this provided the safety net so that the son grew up and took care of the parents, so that the daughter grew up and did the same thing. And so that the grandchildren all have, I am here in Thailand and I see it's still active. It's still active here. I've seen four generations all in the same household helping each other. Yeah. I've never seen that in America. You won't. <laughs> it doesn't happen because yeah. this, the family has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. And why has the family been destroyed? Because marriage has been destroyed. Mm. Okay. And the basis for marriage has been destroyed. So anyway, it's the wrong safety net that he's holding on to when he linked arms. It's the wrong safety net. That's the safety net provided by Iblis. It's an illusion. It's a delusion. Okay, it's why Prophet Muhammad wrote to Khosru and said, you will be responsible for the sins of the Magi. Well, Magi, we get this idea of uh, the magistrate, the master, okay, and magic. And what is magic? It is, uh, it, it's the art of uh, distorting reality. It's the art of taking your attention away from the hand that's really doing the deed, you see. So like and, Corona. <laughs> yeah, Corona, well, Corona is, uh, is not a reality. The concept is a reality. The infection is not a reality. That's a whole different uh, matter, you see. And um, there are several approaches to the corona problem, which I don't want to go into now. And I'm not certain that I'm fully qualified to do it. But as a doctor, I can tell you that everything that's happened because of uh, corona has been a lie. They've lied about this from the start. And um, even in Wuhan, they've lied to everybody about it. And uh, as their lies uh, get caught up, as they're caught in the lies, they just simply create new ones. Mm -hmm. you see? And they introduce new ideas that just muddy the waters. Then people get so confused, especially uh, people who are not uh, scientifically oriented, which is 98% you know, of the Uma, if not more, okay? Our limb have no way to understand these things. They have no idea, but biological science or uh, physics or any, these were just subjects they had to put up with, you know, in order to get through and get their stamps so they could teach at the mosque, you know, or get a university position, okay? Um, so they don't know. They don't know. They should know. They're should. supposed to know. You said it, you know, about 20 minutes ago, Muslims should be on top of this thing. And they're not. There are there are a few, for example, like um, oh, what's his name, Doctor Faiz. Uh, Doctor Faiz Kirsten, mashallah, yes. Yeah, you you should talk with him. I already have. Uh, oh, has he has he done a, a, an interview with you? Yes, and he'll be back next week for another one. Inshallah. Okay, okay, you give him my salam. I will. Uh, I I lost his Islam. I lost his not Islam. I lost his email. 
and uh, uh, I just listened to one of his lectures on uh, on this whole COVID business, and it's excellent. I think he can. I've been involved with other things. I mean, I followed it, but I've been involved with the writing of this book on sexology. So uh, I, he's more uh, conversant with the details uh, than, than I would be, although I'll chime right in with him if, if need be. But uh, I'm glad to hear that you've, you're in touch with him and you're bringing him back. And I encourage your listeners to listen to this good man because he knows what he's talking about and uh, everything that I, I've heard him say on an initial lecture that he gave on the subject uh, uh, recently uh, is accurate and 100% correct. The man is not misleading anybody. He's one of the few, Alim, okay, one of the few professionals who really knows what's taking place here, okay? So, oh, I'm, I'm so happy, alhamdulillah. I'm mm -hmm. happy that you are going to talk with him. So anyway, we may have exhausted our time here, sister. Uh, if there's anything else you want to ask me now, go ahead. Otherwise, we can just come back and do it again uh, next time you're ready. Okay? Well, uh, two questions that yes. are somewhat trivial, but for the audience, I think it's important to provide perspective. Mm. So when you're talking about androgyny, Yes. Um, I know there's a lot of talk of the, the celebrity culture mm -hmm. without getting salacious. Do these individuals have to succumb to these certain, these certain standards when yes. it comes to that? Yes. Uh, okay. They've even admitted it. Okay. okay. There, are several, there are several celebrities who've admitted uh, some of the things that I've told you. And um, uh, recently, in the last couple of years, there's been a few of uh, the young men in particular who've come out and have uh, told everybody that Hollywood is run by uh, Jewish gay men. And, you know, we had the whole uh, affair with this um, Weinstein character. And then there's this other fellow who's uh, compromising all the politicals. Uh, I've forgotten his name now. But Epstein. Epstein, yeah. Uh, him and his lot. These are all members of the B'nai B'rith in the upper echelons of the uh, pyramid, but they are not the directors, okay? Right. Weinstein is not a director. He's just, a, he's just a, a facilitator, if you will, okay? Men, if, if they were directors, they would not be sacrificed like he was sacrificed, you see. So anyone that's sacrificed, they're, they're, you know, they're just considered expendable. You'll have to get into the, the history of the, um, the, the European nobles and the nobles who you can trace back to uh, ancient Persia and the Jewish families that intermarried there and the subsequent Jewish families from the Levant who intermarried with the Romans and then with the Greeks and uh, the Phoenicians and all of those who then infiltrated all of Europe. They're not all pure Jews, okay? Matter of fact, they're running the Jews like they're running the rest of the mob. Most of your Jews have no idea what's really taking place, although they may, uh, you know, really sincerely be looking forward to the Messiah, but they have no idea that he's going to be a gay androgyne, you see? <laughs> Only the initiates know that. So these people at the top of the positions like Hollywood, 
uh, uh, and, and other realms, yeah, they have to submit to this kind of um, uh, mindset. And of course, the best uh, way to submit is to be one, you see, to be a genuine homosexual. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, there are several examples uh, like that. Lenin is one who comes, comes to mind. Lenin was not only a Jewish uh, fellow with the Freemason, and a Freemason, but he was also gay, okay? And uh, this is something that's been kept hidden away from the, the, the Disraeli is another gay prime minister and Jew, okay? Now, he's not a director of the program. He's a facilitator. He makes sure that the dictates from behind closed doors, whether it be Rothschild or other of these families I mentioned, and there are others even more wealthy than the Rothschilds, okay? Uh, that, um, matter of fact, the ones who are most important, you never see. Right. You never even hear their name, okay? Uh, people like the Disraeli are used in order to facilitate the uh, program. And the program has been international governments for the sake of plunder, okay? Now, they'll, they'll tell you, oh, it's a Zionist cause and we're expecting the Messiah and da-da-da-da-da. No, these are just selfish SOBs who want it all for themselves. <laughs> it's that simple, sister. And they've created the system and Evelyn has helped them and said, look, if you follow me, if you follow, no, not if you follow me, but you follow your desires, I'll help you, you see. And then he gives them the gin that can do certain things that are that we don't we don't know or we don't experience, uh, and uh, they 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 do it. They create these uh, these systems, and they use people like Disraeli and Lenin to carry it out. They use people like Karl Marx to carry out their programs. Okay, and these people at the very top who carry out who facilitate the program, many of them are sexually compromised, either as gays and homosexuals and lesbians, or as a, you know, just as a, a normal run-of-the-mill satyr who can't get enough of women, okay? Uh, so, uh, and they'll compromise him. That's what, that's what Epstein was doing, you see? If, he, if you don't like young girls, he'll get you older. It doesn't make any difference long as you're cheating on your wife from compromising your moral position, we've got you. And of course, Tel Aviv loves this because all of that is being fed back uh, to their offices there. And uh, whenever the Jesuits want to control somebody, they just call Tel Aviv and say, what do you got on so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, you know, the deed is done. And so there are two reasons that the world is now falling prey to COVID. Well, more than two reasons, but the two major reasons are that uh, Tel Aviv is uh, a nuclear, uh, is, 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 is blackmailing everybody with the Samson option, okay? If you don't do what we tell you to do, we're just going to blow up Karachi, okay? It'll disappear tomorrow, all right? They can do it. They have the facility. They have the ability to do this. Or if you, do do, if you don't do what we tell you, we're just going to publicize uh, this uh, murder of the young girl that you participated with, okay, back in 1987. We have the videotapes, okay. So this is what's happening. And so the leaders, rather than uh, 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 
rather than uh, mm, submitting to Tauba, okay, and being brave enough to be humble, okay, they go along with it. They go along with it because they're cowards. In the end, they're all cowards. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the military men who are genuinely deluded. And they're the ones who are protecting these cowards yeah. behind the high, uh, behind the high no wall. <laughs> they have no idea. Yeah, very few of them do. Your top generals, they know what's going on. They're well, compromised. They're, they're com yeah, they're compromised. So, <laughs> you have you if you listen to Kay Griggs' uh, testimony, uh, she's been confirmed. Kay, do you know Kay Griggs? The name sounds familiar. Okay, uh, I'll try and get a hold of some links for her, uh, and send send them to you, because uh, you need to listen to her as an ex-military person yourself. You'll be shocked by what she has to say about the Navy and the top echelon of the naval officers, almost all of them are controlled by this backdoor uh, anal policy, okay? Well, there's been rumors They're, about the Navy forever, I mean. So. Yeah, it, well, it's, it, yeah, this is the Admiralty and uh, the hit squads under them that are, that are controlling the various terrorist operations throughout the world, okay? Uh, because they, they control, naval intelligence controls all of it. Okay, right. uh, uh, out of the, you know, wh wherever it is that they operate. Kay Griggs uh, talks all about this. I'll send you some, some links or at least her name so that you can, you need to look into this just so that you cannot take my word for it. Because she's, she's, she's unimpeachable. She's an unimpeachable witness uh, because she was married to it mm. and uh, came, okay. came to know by firsthand experience. Okay, so I, I hope I handled that question. You had another one? Yes. <laughs> so I'm noticing it, it's, it's subtle, but it's oh. building up this uh, LGBTQ infiltration into Islam. Um, yes. You know, they've infiltrated every other, you know, uh, major religion. And yes. now, now it's Islam. Why yes. has Islam been the last one? And what do you see coming from that? Well, Islam, thank God, Islam is the, the last revelation, see? And it is the capstone. The prophet is the capstone on this whole system of however many prophets there were, 124,000 or so. Uh, he is the capstone and the Quran sets it all in order as the capstone on the divine pyramid, not the pyramid of Iblis, okay? Uh, because there is a divine pyramid, there's a divine authority. And you remember the, the prophet's uh, speech uh, in, uh, at the, uh, the, the last time he was in Mecca, his last uh, uh, trip to Mecca. He told everybody that uh, if, they, uh, if they kept uh, the precepts of Islam that uh, God would uh, give them dominion and they would be able to keep the dominion as long as they kept the precepts. You see, and then after a while, a few of the companions made some remarks and they said, well, 
in order to keep these, we have to have justice, okay? Because justice are like the, the walls of Islam. If you don't have justice, then anybody can come into the house, okay? So there's no justice in Islam. There's been no justice in Islam for uh, most of its life, frankly. Let's go back to the very beginning, dear sister, okay? Look, we already know that um, uh, Hadrat Ali and Aisha fought each other because the Jews confused them. They were already there, okay? They had already infiltrated. And why was this possible? Well, it's because uh, the Quaresh uh, the under Muharwaya did not uphold justice, you see? They rebelled, you see? They rebelled against Ali's authority. And then when Ali told his forces, when they confronted Moai on the field, when he called, told them to charge, and they refused because some Jew in the rank, some Jewish magician, understanding superstition, told his front spearmen to hang the Quran on the tip of the spears, and they won't charge. Ali knew it was a trick, you see. But what happened? The Muslims disobeyed. So let's go back to Muhammad's last speech. If you obey and you uphold these precepts, if you uphold justice and you obey your righteous leaders, they like to say righteous caliphs, don't they? <laughs> they like to use this term. It's a cover for the disobedience. That's why they use it all the time because they don't want to talk about the disobedient, because this is a spiritual principle. The prophet made it very clear. If you disobey and you don't uphold justice, the walls come crashing down and anybody can come in. Mm -hmm. So this is why, this is one of the reasons why the walls are down, but why do the gays want to come in? I can probably explain that in about 10 minutes. Okay. Go for it. Uh, you see, there is this uh, complementarity that takes place between the husband and wife that nowhere else takes place. It's like the complementarity between the right and the left-hand brain, okay? The, the right brain is not female. <laughs> the left brain is not male, okay? And the principle that makes you a woman and makes me a man is not is neither male or female. It is the word of Allah. It is kun fayakun in you, and it's kun fayakun in me. So, but Allah created these words, this female and male principle that we manifest, you see, the word made flesh. You know that from the Christian doctrine. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's what it is. We're all words made flesh. That's what we are. And you're a female word, I'm a male word. So the perfect marriage is one where the female word and the male word complement each other, you see? And this complementarity has a basis in physiology. It has a basis that goes all the way down to the subatomic level, to the uh, level that uh, people like to talk about uh, uh, with these... Uh, energies and these photons and all of these things that you know confuse the hell out of people 
who don't understand physics, including me. Okay. <laughs> I have to do extra reading in order to be somewhat conversant in them. You know, physics was the only uh, scientific subject of the undergraduate that I needed extra tutoring with in order to get into medical school, you see. But uh, I, I understand some of these things. And uh, all of that complementarity between what is the female word and the male word reaches right down to that subatomic level. And that subatomic level is where the big word begins to manifest, mm -hmm. you see? And there's something called a, um, a, uh, 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 a phase coupling that takes place between uh, one atom and another atom and some of the sub elements of those atoms. They have to be in a certain vibratory frequency in order to complement each other. And so if one is vibrating here and the other one's vibrating here and they marry, you're never gonna, they're never gonna be able to complement. You see, this is why you should never force a marriage, mm. never. And the prophet said this, did he not? Mm -hmm. Of course he did, he did. Well, what are Muslims doing? They are disobeying, aren't they, sister? Yes. Okay. All right. Now, let's go back to this phase coupling. When the vibrations are, you know, together and they complement each other, then they can meet and they can vibrate together. And this literally happens with the act of sex. It literally happens. Okay. Now, when both are participating actively and they're actively pleasing each other and giving and receiving this pleasure, there's a complementarity there that never occurs anywhere else. And it all ends in this wonderful collapse of the orgasm, okay? And there you find Panta, Pana, okay? That's where it is. Because this is Allah's gift to each of us, okay? That's what it is. And that's where we meet the love of Allah. We meet the love of Allah in that surrender. Allah has a great sense of humor, you see, as well as wisdom, because he humbles us with this act, okay? We have to surrender to it. We don't even know why, do we? Think about it. Think about it consequently, dear. We surrender to it and then we pass out. It's called, classically, it's called the little death. Okay. I've heard that, yeah. Uh, now I'm getting back to the LGBT. The imams don't talk like this, do they? No, no, they don't. But okay. I mean, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> this, but I'm, I'm bringing us back to the LGBT problem. LGBT people can't do this and they want it, you see? Well, and this is- Okay, I, I, I know you're gonna get there, but I just have to make this comment though, because that's yeah. not something that's, that's talked about, you know? Oh, these relationships should be celebrated because these people are, are happy. You know, lo love is yeah. love, but you, you yeah. hit on something that's so crucial, that, that basic uh, chemistry Yes. It's not there. It's not there. They can't do it. Physically, they cannot do it. If you, if you, you, you imagine two homosexuals together, two homosexual men, 
they cannot have this collapse at the same time. <laughs> they have to take turns. Yeah. You understand? Well, well and even with and, them, I mean, there's always and, this. And not only, not only that, not only can I not have an orgasm at the same time, they cannot exchange bodily fluids that complement each other. Okay? Because what the female emits and what the male emits are complementary. And as long as they are internal, they're doing their job. It's when they come out that they begin to uh, decompose and they decompose immediately, uh, which is why we must do wash in Gusu. Okay. Well, is, is that why you always see, you know, in homosexual couples, there's always this, this male and female component? You're never going to see yes, two masculine yeah, men together or two masculine they, women. They have to mime it. They can't really do it, you see. And it's the same with the lesbian. It doesn't make any difference. They cannot have this spiritual experience because that's what it is. It is a spiritual experience. That's why uh, one prays before entertaining the act. Because it, it, needs, to be, it needs to be protected, you see. If you don't protect it uh, in a house of prayer, and I'm talking the family's house, you see, your bedroom, because that's what it is. It's your house, the marriage is the house. We're tabernacles. We are arcs of the covenant. Our heart is the ark. It bears the law. And if you don't want that to be polluted, you pray and you thank God for this gift that you're about to entertain and which you don't really understand, and which you have to humiliate yourself in order to submit to it. Okay? When you think about the act of sex, it's not a very dignified act, is it? No. Not at all. So Allah has humiliated us in order to force us to submit to something that he designed. <laughs> you see? This has nothing to do with Sharia. It has everything to do with science, psychology, and spiritual principles of law. And this is being confirmed now by the science. There's a new science called the noetic science. And it's a science that, you know, can get very, very new agey if you don't have the right mindset. But if you have the right mindset and enough scientific knowledge, you can begin to look into these things and establish Kun fire kun. You can see it. You can see it at work. You can see the principles. Okay. So these vibrations that are meant to complement each other in marriage, they cannot be had by LGBT people. They cannot be had. All right. And not only can they not be had, but in order to fulfill human purpose, this is something we call ontogeny. Okay. You understand this word as a biologist, as a teacher, ontogeny. You want to reach your, uh, your perfection, your telos, your end. And what is that? It's maturity. Is it not? Yes. Yes. The old white-haired and white-haired man and woman walking down the street holding hands. Yeah. That's where it goes. And so... They want to get there, but they can't. And so the next best thing is to pretend piety. 
because that's what it is. It's spirituality. The reality is spiritual. It's Allah's spiritual gift for us. It is not good for a man to be alone. You see? It's not good. Well, if he's alone, then it's bad, isn't it? Well, maybe it's not bad, but it ain't good. <laughs> you see? Mm -hmm. You see where I'm going with this, sister? So the Alim, they're lost. They, they have no idea about these matters. They don't think about them. And if they were to listen to the conversation, they would just dismiss me as a kook, okay? A fringe crazy man, okay? Who's trying to start his own sect. <laughs> you Absolutely see? right. I mean, there, there's, yeah. there's just everyday Muslims that will hear this and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> cringe. All right, so you now you, you understand why Allah directed you to contact me because your heart is already prepared to receive uh, this knowledge. And so then you can dwell on it and uh, then pass it on at the right time to others who can receive it. Because this is lost knowledge. And the prophet said, and the Quran even says that, you know, when Allah judges the people, he takes the men of knowledge out. He takes the men of knowledge away from them. And he said, the worst of you are going to become your leaders. You see that already. That's already happened. Oh my God. I just painted a big bullseye on my back. So I'm not going to visit Pakistan. <laughs> I'm not going to Afghanistan. And I'm certainly not going to the Middle East. And if I go back to the States, I'm going to be very, very careful where I walk. And I use a wheelchair. <laughs> uh, okay. So how's an old man in a wheelchair going to start a new sect? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear sister. So you see, this is why they want to get on the stage and link hands and arms with other perverts uh, who are not thinking clearly because they want to touch this gift. It's like a hungry ghost that needs to be fed. And no matter how many acts of sex that they feed it, it cannot be fed. It cannot be satiated. Only the truly married can be satiated. And after they are satiated with the true love, I'm talking about true love now. I'm talking about love in the flesh, love in the soul, and love in the spirit. Eros, phileo, and agapeo. Okay, I write all about this is, is in my, my, my new book. It's all there. Inshallah, it will be out uh, early next year. Inshallah. It still, it still has to. So anyway, these three comprise true love. You, have, you can have sex, but without the other two, this is not going to hold you. Okay. You can have the best sex in the world, but if you don't have these two, it's not going to hold. The marriage will fail. Even if they stay together, you know. You, you, you know, these old couples who, who hate each other, but they stay together. <laughs> You've seen them sitting at the coffee shop. They don't have anything to talk about anymore. You see? And that's because they are no longer guided by Allah. They no longer live in the moment. You need all three to live in the moment and make the best of it. You see, this is true guidance. So you have to have this. And because they can't have it and they can't feed this hungry ghost, I call it the hungry ghost, because you see these, 
these uh, these molecules at the subatomic level and these elements, it's there's they want complementarity. They need it in order to fulfill their purpose. And if they don't get it, if one's here and the other here, and they they there's restlessness, you see? But if they get it, uh, uh, then the complementarity begins. And you, you get that in the collapse of orgasm, the mutual orgasm. You get that in the collapse. And then it's like this heavenly bliss that sets in. Well, yeah, there's a production of endorphins and, and morphine-like derivatives and all of these things that make us feel good. But there's this opens the pineal gland and it opens the brain to receive additional guidance, you see, from the heavenlies, from the angels, okay? When, when, when the prophet went to uh, receive the, he didn't know he was going to receive, he just, it was his annual uh, uh, withdrawal from life in the cave, you see, and uh, like many, many people, uh, especially Christian mystics used to do that a lot. You know, then they would uh, return to their uh, normal lives. He received the revelation, not just because he was in the cave, he received the revelation because Khadijah had already completed him. And she was daily attending to his needs. You see? If she hadn't been there, this would not have happened. Mm. Iblis would have sent a jinn. In, the, in, in place, you see, because this complementarity is a protection. We are clothing for each other. <laughs> you get it? I do. We clothe each other. So it's not just physical clothing. It's not just spiritual clothing. It's not just social clothing. It's all. It's not, it's all of it. It's Tawheed. It's Gestalt. It's an entirety. It's a complete whole. So when Muslims are missing the deen, they're missing this. The gay people know that they're missing it, but they don't understand what they're missing. This hungry ghost is all the time eating at them. They have to feed it. And they can't feed it, no matter how much they may love a partner. It, can't not, it cannot be fed. This can only happen with the male and the female. It doesn't happen otherwise, okay? That doesn't mean that there's not an element of uh, mystical uh, experience which is real, but it's incomplete. I'm talking about the complete thing. I'm talking about ontogeny. I'm talking about maturity. The maturity, the maturity that takes charge of the Ummah, the leadership, okay? So let's go back to that young single imam who's not married. He cannot be a leader for this reason. He will never mature without a wife. It's impossible. So you have to understand this. And the, the mature leader will put him in a position where he can be useful, but not as a leader. Okay? So... This is what uh, they're missing. They want this role. And uh, many of them, for example, like Lenin, 
they usurp the position of leadership. They usurp the position. There are many, many homosexuals in positions of power now for this reason, okay? Because they're trying to compensate. And there are many, many people, uh, homosexuals in the theater business and in the movie business, Hollywood and what, because they're trying to supplement. They're trying to feed this hungry ghost and it cannot be fed. They're trying to apologize for it. It cannot be apologized for. You have to name it what it is. You have to get back to a dub, call it what it is, and then realize who you are and what your handicap is, and then you have to submit to mature leadership. And this is not happening. And that is why chaos is ruling. And because justice is not maintaining the walls of the house of Daru's Islam, these people are creeping in and they want to take control. They want to take over. They want to take over for two reasons. One, uh, many of them actually work for the New World Order dictatorship. They work for this tyranny. And others, they're just egomaniacs because they can't rest. They have no rest. And they think that the power, the money, or the control is going to give them the safety <coughs> that they think they need. You can't have that. Uh, Sakaina only comes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It only comes through submission, through obedience. And dominion, whether it's of yourself, your family, or the community, only comes by maintaining justice. So I think I've just explained in a nutshell uh, the entirety of the problem, okay? We, we, can, we can try to uh, discuss some of the details later and maybe even review for some of your listeners uh, uh, who are interested. <coughs> I, I'll be happy to do that. Um, so uh, anyway, I hope that answered that question, at least in part. No, uh, that, was, that was incredible. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Any anything else, sister? It's just sidebar little little things. Side sidebar. It's just from my <laughs> curiosity. So okay. Well, we can handle that um, now or later. You can chop this up. You can chop this video up. You you can't give them too much. They'll lose their train of thought, <laughs> uh, and they won't be they won't be able to concentrate. People generally have a hard time concentrating more than 15, 20 minutes uh, these days. So to keep up with somebody like me is, is uh, <laughs> not easy, not easy. I've been told that uh, a lot, uh, but I, I, I like to think that I explained it in terms and ways that people with some degree of education uh, can understand. No, okay. this you, obvi you obviously understand. Um, I think we're, we're mostly interested now in, in reaching out to uh, the women because uh, the men just aren't listening. You know, so uh, you, you said before that you have a number of uh, 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 Muslims who are interested in these things. Yes, surprisingly, um, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, it, it, you know, get them online and seek out what it is that they want to know. 
or even invite them for to share a session here uh, with us in the future, inshallah. inshallah. And uh, we'll, we'll take it wherever it leads, you see? And this is what I mean, uh, what I meant when I, uh, before we started, that I, I'm kind of like a well. And uh, if you dip in or you turn on the faucet, you, you never know what's going to come out, but it's going to come. <laughs> and, and it's definitely going to flow. And uh, it's definitely going to quench some of your thirst, okay? Because that's what it is. Um, you know, uh, the, the various of the uh, uh, genuine teachers, uh, they, they do this when you, when you listen to them, when you ask them questions, they answer the question. And uh, they, they do it in such a way, it's kind of like a story. And... Uh, uh, they paint pictures, and I like to, to paint a picture, uh, an image of the, the reality, because uh, if you just give words, uh, you're using uh, an abstract concept that doesn't uh, really communicate much. But if you, if, you, if you give an image along with those words, at least the person can imagine and then walk away with his imagination because it presents uh, what uh, Goethe called uh, an archetype, an archetype that you can hold on to. So in closing, well, we, we began with Adam and Eve, and we established that they were individuals, not one from the other, as the Jews or the uh, Tibetan monks would like to say. They're independent individuals, and they're responsible for their own deeds, uh, and uh, uh, will be judged separately. But in the dunya, you see, the, the deeds are meant to be complementary. And so they form this collective, and it's called the family. They are the core of the family. They are the hearth of humanity. The hearth and the heart of humanity, okay? And this is why uh, Harut and Marut taught what they did, because they were trying to warn the Oma at the time of uh, what Iblis intended to do, you see. Because it wasn't a big problem back in those days, you know, families were pretty strong back in those days. Um, but as you see, over a period of time, and it's not all that long a time, a day with Allah is only 1,000 years. So it's only been a couple of days. It's not a, it's not a long time. Matter of fact, after the last, last ice age, we're only talking about 10 days or so, not even two weeks. So as far as Allah's concerned, hey, this is just like yesterday, not a big deal. And um, so if you put these things in perspective, you see that uh, the two individuals, the male and the female, we're not opposites, we're apposites. We are, we are meant to be together to help each other. And, you know, the Genesis says, she's your helper. She's your help meet, you see. The Quran says she's your rib. Well, Genesis says the same thing. Um, and the rib is there to protect the man's heart. Protected from what? From deviancy, okay? From sexual immorality. From all of this thing, the wife is, a, it's her job. Oh, what are you doing? I can't talk to you right now. I'm having sex with my husband. <laughs> it's my idea is that they're more important than their responsibilities. Men even worse. 
Okay. Oh, I don't have to do that. It's that's a woman's job. That's a woman's task. <laughs> Is it? No. Is it? Okay. <clears throat> so anyway, we've we've got this business of Adam and Eve pretty much sorted out. Not not entirely, but I'm bringing it up so that you can hold on to the archetype. Because after we hang up, you got to hold on to something. Okay. So you anchor yourself with that. You anchor yourself with this and with the, vibration, the vibrations at the subatomic level and these complementary complexes uh, that have to happen or you have a hungry ghost, you see. And even married people have the hungry ghost, you see. <laughs> if they're mismatched, they will have this hungry ghost. And that's why you have the you, that's why you have people who are always looking, you know, at greener grass. <laughs> it's not just because uh, they're, uh, they're sex maniacs, it's because they're not satisfied. Now, this ghost has not been satisfied. And there are several reasons for that. But the primary reason is that they're mismatched. Okay. A lot of people are mismatched. They get married for the wrong reasons. All right. I've done that. Okay, it happens. And God doesn't like divorce, but he likes unhappiness even worse, <laughs> even more. Okay, because Islam is easy, it's not supposed to keep us unhappy. And uh, being in an unhappy marriage like that is kind of like being in prison. Yeah, that's what it is. So we call it what it is because that's what adab is. Imams are not doing this. They're avoiding the whole adab issue and they're pointing it off as if adab is just being polite. Alhamdulillah. How are you today, brother? How are you? Oh, alhamdulillah. You know, it, it's, like a, it's like a spiritual molasses, you know. I walk away from these people and I want to take a shower. Okay? Really. Because it, it sticks to you. You know, because it, it's, it's insincere. When you call something what it is, that's sincerity. And that's what Musa met in Al-Qadir. Al-Qadir said, look, you're not going to be able to hang with me, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you're not going to be able to do it. You ain't ready. He told him. And Musa said, no, I will, I'm, I'm ready. I'll, I'll do whatever you say. And each time Al-Qadir took another step forward along with his journey, Living in the moment, according to what Allah was dictating him, Musa objected, did he not? Of he course did. he did. He wasn't ready. Oh, oh, but our prophets are perfect. No, they're not. They're men. They're men. Uh-oh, did I just touch on another? Oh, I just stepped on another sacred stone, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, they're men, sister, and they make mistakes. But revelation is not one of the mistakes that they make. When they're talking in the spirit of revelation, that's a whole different matter. And Al-Qadir said to him, look, I got the revelation. You don't have it. You can't hang with me. Okay. It's like the boys in the back room. The young man is hanging outside. You know, they're in there gambling, drinking, playing cards, smoking cigars. I was there. 
<laughs> as a young boy. You know, I went to hang out with, look and see what my father was doing with all the men in the back room. And they wouldn't let me in because I wasn't ready to hang with them. I didn't have what it took. I was incapable of understanding or even obeying them. So I was not let into the circle. Okay. And Al-Kidr told this to Musa, the same thing. He said, huh? you're not going to be able to do it. And Musa said, okay, well, here's, we have an agreement, da, 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 da. And then after the third or fourth incident, uh, Al-Kidr said, you've got to go now. It's our agreement. I told you. And Musa said, oh, he had to leave, didn't he? But you see, this is where the two, the two oceans meet. The knowledge of uh, being led moment by moment by, by Allah and the knowledge of the world. Because what was, was Al-Qadir doing? He was protecting people who were going to be plundered. <laughs> Isn't that what he was doing? Yeah. And Moses well, could not hang with that yet. Okay? This is where our limb are. If Al-Qadir were to walk into most of their mosques, they'd arrest him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay? All right. You hearing me, sister? I, uh, I'm can I, Yeah. Can I get an amen here? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I'm trying to get to the crux of this matter in the synopsis form. So that uh, you can understand that our alim, our ummah, our leadership has lost sight of true spirituality. They've lost sight of it. They're all caught up in this legalism, what I call legalism. It's the same thing that, uh, that uh, Isa complained about with the Sadducees and the Pharisees of his day. He says, your, your legalism is preventing my people God's people from entering the kingdom of heaven. Okay? And that's what's happening. So the alim are allowing the plunder of the ummah because they have destroyed marriage. And they're not even making it possible for many of their young people to marry. You look around at the young men. My God. They need to get married. If they don't, they're going to kill somebody. And that's literally what they do. Many men joined ISIS so that they could have a slave. So they could take her to bed. You see? That's what they did. This is not justice. This is not Islam. And why are they in that position? Because of injustice. At the leadership level. And because our academic alim are afraid to practice real adab because it gets them killed okay well oh dear oh dear sister you see how much trouble we're in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've known well, i'm not I, I i'm not i'm not in trouble anymore because i left for the mountain you see my, my home in Thailand, I mean here in Japan temporarily, but my home in Thailand is on the mountain meadow, the mountain plateau, far from the city, surrounded by rice fields and orchards and animals and clean waters and fish and, you know, 
everything that you need to survive and people who are close to the land. Yeah, they're a bunch of heathens and they're a bunch of idolaters, but I am safe. You got to get the principle here. You see, Allah preserves the seed. And every time he preserved the seed, he took them away from the Ummah that rejected it. Oh, 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 my God, Dr. Omar, what are you talking about here? I'm talking about Adab. I'm talking about spiritual principles, spiritual law, dear sister. So this is the state. This is why the, the gays are coming in. This is why the perverts that think that they're uh, high and mighty academics and scholars in Islam are linking arms with them. This is why. And the, crypt, the scripture makes it very clear, Al-Torat as well as in the Quran, that Allah gives these people over to the delusion. He says, I let them go. Yeah. I let them run with it. They can run right off the cliff, right into hell. Okay? Allah doesn't care. <laughs> Allah doesn't care. He doesn't need their worship. They need it. Mm -hmm. You see? And if they're not going to do it, look, let's end with this one thought. Okay? We'll end with this one thought. Why are they... Why does this whole thing exist? I mean, why are we here on earth and Allah's just letting them run into hell? Because it's a test. The Quran makes that very clear as well. It's a test. This is like the whole, the whole life experience is a test. Test of what? A test of your obedience, a test of your faith, a test of your courage. Well, why am I being tested? To see whether or not you're worthy to go on into the future. Mm. <laughs> okay. You see, there's a whole new world out there. Earth is just a little microcosm. You look at the size of the universe. What is Earth? It's prison planet. It's just like Alex Jones said. <laughs> it is. It is a prison planet. Okay. And it's a test. And you know that the men that you most admire are the ones who are, who are prepared to die for their principles. The warrior. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, you see? Where are they, sister? They're gone. They've been weeded out. In America, Patton was one of the last of them in the armed forces. Okay? They murdered him. You see? So you have this... Uh, the problem exists also in Islam. It exists in Islam. The true warriors are, are no longer there. There are a few. You had a few in uh, Iraq uh, showing themselves in, in this last war. Okay. There are men. They, they, are, they will stand up and they will defend their communities for the right reasons. Uh, and, uh, but otherwise, they're like um, uh, one of the Roman generals. I've forgotten his name now. When the war was over... He didn't go to Rome to have a big parade and, and fancy medals and everything. When the war was over, he seized his sword and he went back home to his wife and continued to farm. 
okay? That's what a real man does. He stands, he's prepared for war, but he doesn't practice it for the sake of plunder. War is now being practiced for the sake of plunder, you see. And the real Muslim warrior will stand up first with his wife, and then if he's needed in the community to defend it, he will go and defend it. And after Allah grants a victory, he goes home back to his wife, okay? He doesn't go back to a political uh, position because politics have no place in Islam. Mm. <laughs> not, not real Islam. That's a whole different matter, a whole different topic. But you see, I'm just bringing this up now in order to complete the circle so that you have something to hold on to as you com contemplate uh, this conversation here after we hang up. Because I'm sure it's going to uh, research again and again, and you're going to have more questions. And when you do, you'll write them down and you'll ask your listeners, well, what did you think? What do you want to ask him? Uh, da, 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 okay? And I will do my best to, to handle this zeitgeist that I just laid at your feet, okay? This worldview, because it's different from what your alim have been feeding you. It's different food, it's different drink, it's nourishing, it's frightening, but it's also invigorating, is it not? <laughs> of course it is, because it brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the closer that we are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means that's how, that's how close to truth we are, because he is truth. We get up to say the night prayer, and in the night prayer, what's it, the, the third or fourth line? You are the truth. <laughs> there it is. It's very plain, very plain, okay? So forget all of this Sharia nonsense. Okay, let that take a back seat to spiritual law. Because what I've been describing is spiritual law. And that spiritual law was pronounced by the prophet at his speech in, uh, in Mecca. Yeah, he made another speech, uh, uh, an another one somewhere. I'm, I'm forgetting now, I think in Medina, but the speech in Mecca was his most famous that, uh, that laid out the the principles for dominion and for keeping dominion, you see? So this principle is valid for individual dominion, family dominion, communal dominion, and national dominion, okay? It goes out like that. And the minute you adopt democracy and start voting in fools, you've lost dominion. <laughs> <laughs> And Iblis has convinced the world to follow who? Lady Liberty, the Androgyne. Mm, 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 okay. So I think we can close on that for now, sister. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and, and, and pick it up uh, another time. Okay. Yeah, I used to be a Christian preacher. So, uh, and uh, I, you know, when, when, when I gave sermons, I would walk across, back and forth across the stage because when I start doing this and I have an audience, it's not that I'm performing. It's that there's an interaction taking place. It's a dynamic, okay? There's a flux. You are drawing something out of me. 
And I need this to be drawn out, you see, because it makes me who I am. It fulfills my purpose. Okay. So when that happens, then everybody is satiated. It's the same thing with the hungry ghost. Mm. It must be satiated because it's a spiritual principle. And when we don't have that satiation, what happens? Dystopia. The world is walking right off the cliff into dystopia because of lady and democracy, the androgyne. Okay. Wow. You know, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I said I was ready, but clearly I was <laughs> not. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're ready. You're ready, dear sister. Uh, I probably overwhelmed you, but uh, not with things that you are not capable of understanding. You will have to go back and listen to this again, and you'll say, oh, my God. Yeah, he said it there, then he said it there, then he said, oh, now I get it. Okay? It's like sometimes a, a, a movie uh, you have to see two or three times before you, you, you get, because you miss some things the first time through. Because, you, you know, it's overwhelming. It can be. But not really. You're, you're more than capable, and there are people in your, amongst your listeners, who are also capable of hearing this approach to Adab. Okay. And with that, let's just close. Alhamdulillah, sister. If you like what you've just heard, subscribe to Tune In Weekly for new episodes. You have something to say, or would you like to be featured as a guest? Shoot me an email at hotteawithaziza at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at hot underscore tea underscore aziza. Until next time. Be blessed and be well.